Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of July 1, 2013. This is episode 199. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. With me today is... Uh, Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. And a guest podcaster, Larry Asher. Hi, Larry. How do you do? I'm not at Interval. <laughs> you are not. I'm you a, are. No, I'm not. I'm at Worker Bees, the you company are that preloads on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that even works. How do you freeload on a podcast? Uh, by listening regularly and uh, stealing your best ideas. Well, that is the. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call that freeloading. I would call that leveraging. Okay, that's, what <laughs> <you> <laughs> <need> it. <laughs> that's the point of a podcast. Hopefully, yeah, indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, can I read your bio? Please do. Okay. Here's here's Larry's bio. Now, Larry, you and I have known each other for oh, it's probably been a year. Let's just call it a year. Um, and we got to know each other by working with the common clients out in Seattle, uh, and then having some nice drinks and dinner uh, opportunities along the way. So, and we also share a lot of the same philosophies, which is why it's great to have you. And we're going to give you a chance to to preach to our choir, much in the way that we preach to it. Uh, every time we do the podcast. But here's your background. Larry is creative director who's a copywriter, who's a problem solver, who's an author, who's a teacher of creativity, presentation skills, and writing. You do the former as principal of Worker Bees, a Seattle-based healthcare marketing communications firm that serves clients such as Swedish Medical Center, Providence Health and Services, and the Rivkin Center for Ovarian Cancer Research. You do the latter as the co-director of the School of Visual Concepts, a professional development center for the Seattle creative and marketing community. And in 2011, you wrote Do or Die in collaboration with Clark Kokich, right? Yep. Okay, Kokich, the chairman of Razorfish, the first full-length business book released as a tablet app. The Book Plus app highlights the necessity of using digital technology to deliver useful and entertaining experiences to customers and prospects. We'll be diving a little more into the book in a little bit. Larry, great to have you. Thank you. I love being here. So, so just before we dive into things, let's compare weather, because this is probably the only day in the history of this state that we could probably compare weather and, and win. But we'll okay, see. Well, start. I would say it is it is sunny. It is about seventy eight. It's beautiful. No humidity. It's perfect here. Ditto. Top back. Ditto. <laughs> that's, that's the same. Exactly the same. What's the, uh, what's the well, high for today going to be? Uh, I don't know, like 82 or 83? Yeah, lower 80s. Well, see, you could argue that you have us beat there because we're going for 91. Oh, yeah, that's a little, that's that's a little high we are, for me. We, we are going to be complaining. <laughs> oh, it's going to be well, see, good. We're all for the complaining. We always complain about the weather here, so I thought I'd take a shot at, at actually trumpeting the weather, but... I'm sure it's beautiful in many places. I think you win. You know what? We both win over Phoenix and Las Vegas that are supposed to well, top out like sure. 122 today or some ridiculous thing. Yes, and, and sympathies to our friends in Boston where it's going to rain today. Yes, that's no good. 
Okay, so we got the weather out of the way. It's always it's mm-hmm. essential. It's an essential part of this podcast, as you know, as you well know. <laughs> so, um, so that means we've been talking about the weather for 199 podcasts. How about that? Wow. Yeah, and I bet 198 of those were negative, and the one we just had was positive. Mm-hmm. So what that means is we are on the countdown, the path to 200. We're very excited about that. As you know, if you've been listening, we've been counting down for the last four episodes, so starting with 195. Um, and we are, each time, we are asking people to submit answers to a question. So this week's question was to name three organizations or individuals, either inside or outside of healthcare marketing, who have influenced our marketing efforts over the last seven years, which was the date of the very first podcast. So we're going to give our answers to that. Uh, people can still submit those, even though... Um, you know, we're going to have another question moving forward. You can submit answers to any of the questions. Uh, so if there's five different questions over five weeks, you could submit answers to each of those. And that ups your chance to win valuable prizes, including an iPad mini, a Fitbit, an Apple TV, and no small consolation, a free subscription to the Weekly Probe, which I think is <laughs> unlimited value. So next week, if you're preparing for next week, the question is, five non-healthcare taglines that would be awesome in healthcare. And the example given is Outback Steakhouses, no rules, just right. So see what you can come up with for that and submit it. Uh, you can email it to us at katieatthinkinterval.com. You can post it uh, in our group on LinkedIn, our Arrogant Healthcare Marketing, um, Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Ambassadors podcast group. Uh, you could tweet it to us at Interval Crew. What else? Is there another way you could get us your answers? You could mail it to us. You could FedEx it. You could call us if you really wanted to. Yes. All uh, those things would work. So get your answers in. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> oh, and I should say, before we give our answers, we do now have the date for the 200 podcast. It will be a very special episode of Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards. Wednesday, July 10th, from 11 a.m. to noon Central Time, we're going to be conducting a Google Hangout. So we're going to have our podcast via video. So if you've never seen us in action, this will be your chance. Uh, and we're going to be interacting with people primarily through Twitter using the pound AHMD hashtag. Right. And you don't necessarily have to have a Google Plus account or a Google account of any sort uh, to watch. It's going to be a, base, an, an, a player on our site. Um, so be, you'll be able to watch it at thinkinterval.com. Um, but we'll sh- we'll share the link uh, once we get closer to the showtime. Uh, you'll be able to find it on the homepage, find it from us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, it shouldn't be hard to find. Perfect. All right. So are we ready to give our, our answers to the three most influential organizations or individuals that we've had over the last seven years? Larry, you want to go first? Yeah, I just want to mention first, though, you had a chance when you were talking about this being the 199th episode, to use the word penultimate, and I and I was disappointed that you didn't. Well, you should. So you I'd, should have. I'd like it. you to do that now. Okay, Larry, it's so great to have you on the penultimate bicentennial podcast. I like that. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, so you want you want three individuals? Yes, yeah, well, or organizations. Your your choice. Okay. Well, like most people in uh, advertising and marketing, I'm not going to follow the rules. Uh, my first person is three people because <laughs> they all say a variation of the same thing, which has definitely influenced me. And they are David C. Baker, Blair Enns, 
and Ted Lenhart were all consultants to firms like ours and probably a lot of your listeners' firms, creative firms and design firms and such. And they are the ones that uh, influenced me to specialize, become an expert at something and don't try to, uh, to be the white rice of marketing. So that's I like one. that. And I like David. David Baker is one of my favorites too. He's he's been a huge influence on me as well, and Blair Ends, but David more so. So that's a great start. Who's number two? Okay, uh, number two is Bob Hoffman. Very few people know as Bob Hoffman, but they know him as the Ad Contrarian or the Advertising Contrarian. This guy writes the best, funniest, most insightful blog you're ever going to see. I don't know what the URL is, but maybe you could put it in the show notes. Well, it's like advertising contrarian or ad contrarian. We'll, we'll get it for you. Uh, he had an agency for many years in San Francisco. He now has a new consultancy called Type A Group. But he just calls a lot of BS on a lot of the kind of guru of the moment stuff that goes on in our field. So I applaud him. And my third one, and I'm, I'm going for some sort of uh, just ridiculous, I apologize, uh, perhaps suck up here, but <laughs> sorry. I'm going to say Chris Bevelo. <laughs> sorry. You're uh, already on the uh, podcast, Larry. You don't I need know. to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going, I want to go for a high timer here. Uh, but a couple of years ago, when I first read your book, I had been... I had had this feeling, this unsettled feeling that uh, the emperor had no clothes. It's like, why are why are all these clients doing these things that seemingly made no sense? And I assumed I must be in the wrong. And uh, I read your book, and I went, oh, thank goodness, somebody uh, is agreeing with me and giving me the courage to, to also be a contrarian. So there you are. You inspired me. Well, I, that is very flattering. I appreciate that, and yes, contrarian. That is the that is the way to go. We are contrarians at heart, I think, Larry. You and I, mm-hmm. kindred spirits. Cool. Okay. Well, well, Adam, I, well I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, what do you have? All right. Well, I I I didn't go the individual route. I didn't I didn't pick people. I chose organizations since that was uh, since we were opening the playing field to to that as well. <clears throat> and uh, the ones I chose, I'll just list them all, all three before explaining them. I chose Apple, Google, and Facebook. Uh, obvious choices probably um, on the organizational front, but I really do think over the last seven years that they have been probably the most instrumental in terms of really changing um, the playing field when it comes to uh, uh, probably marketing in general, uh, let alone just healthcare marketing. Um, but so Apple, so I'll, quickly, Apple for... Um, redefining mobile you know it was mobile was uh well really was nothing really until the iphone came along um you know people had dumb phones but they didn't use them for anything other than making phone calls um and even today a lot of people have smartphones and don't do anything with them other than making phone calls which is fine um many will learn how to use them uh for smarter things eventually although not not to not to disparage making a phone call is something that's dumb certainly is important um uh, so yeah, but I mean, we've got we've got a lot of players in the field now who are doing great things. Um, you know, Google with Android, Microsoft's got a great operating system as well. Um, although that sounds like an oxymoron. 
uh, with uh, 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 their their mobile platform. It's actually pretty damn good. Um, BlackBerry is getting their 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 act together, and uh, their new OS is not horrible. Um, so so, but I th- really I really do believe we have Apple to thank for. Um, you know, making phones what they are today. Uh, they, you know, they were the first one to have uh, a touchscreen device to actually have something that people thought of as a computer uh, in their hand, in their pocket at all times. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's why we are where we are today. We might be, you know, down the road at this point, even if they hadn't done it, but um, they certainly are the ones we have to thank for it. So Apple, number one. Uh, Google number two, uh, you know, in the last seven years, they've just continued to um, define what what search is and refine how we search uh, on the Internet to find things. Um, a lot of other players have entered the space, and I think it's going to become more and more crowded as we move forward. But I think Google is going to continue to be a dominant player um, and also uh, advertising. Uh, you know, in healthcare, we haven't thought too much about online advertising um, until the last few years. Uh, some kind of, uh, you know, got got in on it early, um, but most of us have not did not. Uh, so, really defining um, or helping us uh, figure out how to communicate online uh, with our audiences. And uh, so that's that's a good segue into my third, which is Facebook. Um, huge uh, have played a huge role in advertising, but a bigger role in uh, the social experience and really defining what that is online. Um, and it's something that we've, I would say, all gotten in on. Um, if not all, most of us have gotten in on it, um, leveraging it in our marketing on a on a day to day basis. Um, for many of us, maybe not all of us. Um, and I think they're going to continue to be leaders in defining what that experience is for, for a while. You know, that's a playing field that, you know, somebody can come in and, uh, usurp somebody else pretty easily and pretty quickly, um, which certainly could happen with Facebook. Um, but we'll see. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Google usurp Facebook, uh, with their, with their social experience. Cause I do think that Google plus is actually pretty nice. I, I don't really use it to be honest. Cause nobody, uh, I'd, very few people that I that I follow online um, or communicate with socially use it, um, but I do think they've done a really good job with it. So we'll we'll see what they do in that space as well. So that's mine. Wow, cool. I I agree with all of those wholeheartedly. I have nothing to add. Larry, right. do you have anything to add to those? No, good choices and uh, great. They they they've had a huge impact on how we go about our business. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'll finish up here. I've got, I've got my three. The first is an organization, and it's Apple. I'm going to do these in reverse order. Um, so the least of the three, but the most influ- – how would you put that? The least of the most influential is Apple, <laughs> uh, just because, you know, their focus on simplicity and design is something that I think we try to follow in everything we do, whether it's actual physical design, literal design, digital design, graphic design. We don't do so much graphic design anymore. But even design of process, design of experience, uh, all of that, uh, I think, just been hugely influenced uh, by what they've done. So that's a, that's an easy one. The second is Gerald Zaltman. Gerald Zaltman wrote the book, How Customers Think. Uh, and I read that probably more than seven years ago, but it continues to be a huge influence on me. Uh, his philosophy is that People make their decisions at an unconscious level, not at a conscious level. So asking them their opinions on what they think about your logo or about your ad or even about your product, um, you know, things that they have not experienced themselves 
is really a fruitless effort, yet we spend billions and billions and billions of dollars in this country trying to pursue that uh, path of research, and certainly we do it in healthcare. Uh, and so it just really has helped me kind of stand up and say, look, if you really want to know what works, don't ask your customers, which, uh, you know, is usually, again, contrarian to, to Larry's point to what most people think, but I truly believe it. And that book was instrumental in that. And then the top person is Dan O'Reilly. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, he wrote Predictably Irrational. So that was my first, I think, real dive into behavioral economics, uh, which is basically counter to traditional economics, which, which says people act in a rational manner. Uh, and so we are all kind of robots that seek the most preferential uh, outcome that we can find for ourselves, uh, which is utterly not what people do. They do not do that. And so if you follow classic economics from a marketing standpoint, you're really going to pursue a lot of paths and strategies that I think don't hit what really motivates people. And when you read Dan O'Reilly and, and, and Predictably Irrational or uh, Martin Lindstrom in Biology or any number of other books that talks about, you really need, again, like Gerald Zaltman, you need to go a lot deeper. Uh, we are not rational beings. And, um, you know, it's become kind of popular in the last few years, but that is something that I subscribe to. And someday my dream is to get a, to get some kind of master's or degree in behavioral economics. I think that would be so cool. I've yet to find a school that has it, but I'm sure they're out there. So those are my three. Good ones. How about that? Okay. So thank you guys for sharing that. Hopefully everybody will submit theirs. Larry, I want to give you a chance to um, talk about this book. I want to share one thing though, because it just popped up now. Um, and I think it's worth sharing because we talk about healthcare marketing all the time. Uh, we all have had our bad experiences and I think we had kind of a pre-call and Larry and Adam and I talked about some of these. Um, but how about this? I'm, I'm trying to see a chiropractor for the first time and I called their office today, never been to this chiropractor, never been to a chiropractor. Uh, and they didn't answer the phone. So I left a message saying, here's what I'm after. Give me a call back. Uh, the doctor texted me wow. and said, Hey, we're out of the office today. We have openings tomorrow or Wednesday. Any of those work? And I said, hello hi yes they would so in like the most convenient easy manner that you could expect i've just booked a doctor's appointment and that is so contrarian to 99.9 percent .9 of how we deal with convenience in healthcare i just thought i'd share that i love that that's awesome yeah, amen all right speaking now, of which contract uh, do you suppose chiropractors aren't covered by HIPAA? I don't know, but there's no HIPAA here yet. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about me, so maybe that makes it easy to do. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No sharing of um, PIP or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. So, but that leads right to your book, Larry, because your book is about moving beyond the old school BS traditional junk in marketing, right? Tell us about Correct. it. Well, years ago, I worked with uh, Clark Kokich when we were both at a traditional kind of do a little bit of everything advertising agency. And he went on to become, after about 12 years later, the chairman of Razorfish. And if, if you don't, do you guys know Razorfish? Sure. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. Huge, huge digital agency. They're now owned by, I love to say, Publicis. 
uh, <laughs> and I'm probably that's wrong. So publicist. Uh, but any anybody who spent any time on the web, you have seen their work. You, if you look at the New York Times website, that's theirs. That Red Netflix website, that's theirs. Mercedes, Ford, Uniqlo, J.C. Penney. I probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> Not their fault. <laughs> but a very very impressive uh, body of work and client roster. When Clark was elevated to chairman. He thought that a book would be an excellent calling card and thought leadership piece. So he called me and said, would you like to write this for me? And I said, no, uh, books are long and have many words in them. <laughs> and my time is short. Uh, but he, he persuaded me to write the proposal for it. And then when McGraw-Hill got interested, I got interested again and said, sure, I would do that. And boy, am I glad because it honestly changed how I approach my business. Clark's point is it's not that there aren't people and there are probably hundreds of them espousing this idea that you need to engage with your customer and then just this one-way monologue of traditional advertising, that's not enough anymore. The new wrinkle that Clark brought to it that I think is most interesting is that because of digital technology, guys like us, in marketing consulting firms and clients, like many of your listeners who are CMOs, now have the tools to not just impact how the story about their organization is told, they can impact the organization. You can change the experience. You can change how people actually uh, interact with your organization. That's new. So if, yes. I, if I can cite a, an example of this, because I think it's the it's one that we talked about in Do or Die, and it's it's pretty fabulous. Uh, do you ski, downhill ski? Yes. Well, you've been to Vail. Um, I don't think I've been to Vail. I've been to many. I've been to Aspen and some others, but that was years and yeah. years and years ago. Well, you're you're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is what happens. People go to these destination ski resorts in Colorado and Utah, and then they want to try them all. They want to dip a toe into each one of them. And, of course, what they all would like is, no, no, just stay at our resorts the entire time you're in Colorado. Don't, don't go to Aspen. Right. And so the, the assignment that was really in front of everybody was come up with a, a loyalty program that was more, you know, kind of went beyond the punch card for the free hot chocolate. And with the, this is the interesting part, their ad agency, their IT group, and their marketing department, three people who generally in most organizations never talk to each other, came up with this idea. They all put RFID chips inside of all their passes, lift ticket passes, and it's just their way of making sure that you're legit. And somebody said, what if we use those RFID chips for a a greater purpose. And the idea that they came up with, they later gave it the name of Epic Mix. But the idea is because they could put these RFID sensors all over the mountain, they would know where you were. They would know how many times you'd ridden up, uh, up the chairlift and how many times you'd come down. And so without you doing anything on your own or with your phone or downloading an app or anything like that, 
they were collecting these personal metrics on you. And when you chose to activate them, you could find out, wow, I did 23 runs and I skied 100,000 vertical feet and I hit this resort and that resort. Bale owned several resorts across the country. And so this, this drive to increase your own personal metrics alone would keep you on the, on the hill and on their resorts. Then they started giving digital badges for things like uh, hit the slopes early or skied on Thanksgiving Day or whatever. And, and the whole notion of badges and swapping pins, that's an old, old ski lodge tradition. So they yeah. were just plugging into that. And the real magic in this, of course, is if you said, sure, go ahead, they would share your eating accomplishments over your social media network. And the first year they did this, it was a pilot program. They had 50,000 people activate their Epic Mix account. And they figured at the time the average Facebook uh, number of friends that people had was 130. So they had 50,000 activations each person doing about four updates times those 130 friends. That's 26 million impressions going out there. Uh, in 2012, they were up to 300,000 activations. That equates to 2 million Facebook posts. And by now, your Facebook, the average Facebook friend group has grown to 190 people. So that totals about 400 million impressions. Wow. No advertising, and what's so impressive about this is it is friends telling their friends, look where I am, and I'm having a great time, and you ought to come do this too. And there is no more power, powerful form of advertising. Yeah. So that, that in essence, is what, what Clark and what Larry mean when they talk about do or die, which is do something that really enhances the experience or eases a pain point or whatever, your customer, and that because that experience is so fantastic, they're going to tell other people about it. Maybe they'll use social media, maybe they'll use their mouths, but as I said a second ago, you cannot do this. You cannot do that with an ad in a magazine, right? So that's that's the gist of it. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I love that example. I mean, that's that's like content marketing on digital steroids from our perspective. I mean, that's exactly to your point. It's not promotional in nature at all. It's providing some kind of value to your target audience that they will find relevant. And because yeah. they find it relevant and it's a value to them, they're going to share it with other people, and that draws people back to you. Well, and it, and it plays right into what their audience is already into, which is kind of that apres-ski bragging about what you did that day. Right. They're, they're just enabling that in a, in a new way. And one other super quick example was Volkswagen. When they introduced the 2010 GTI, uh, that product group was told by management, like, sorry, guys, we don't have very much budget for you, but good luck to you. Get out there and introduce that car. And they did some work along with their digital agency to introduce that model with zero media advertising. That's the first time that's been done in the U.S., what they did instead is they gave away a, a game app for your smartphone, and it was a racing game, 
that, of course, featured the Volkswagen GTI, but it also tied to go take a real test drive. And uh, they exceeded all their sales projections. They spent, according to the marketing director, spent a fraction of what they would have spent on a pull-up ad campaign. And again, gave their, they did a do. They gave their audience something that they would think was fun and useful, which is this game. Yeah, beautiful. Love that. Where it got, inter- where it got interesting is I'm, as I'm writing all this stuff, I'm thinking, well, yeah, but I do healthcare marketing, so I need to find an example from our field, and I came up empty. And well, I, they're out I, I there. They are, they are indeed, and they are, but they are quite rare. <laughs> they are. They're the, they're the tufted, spotted titmouse of <laughs> healthcare marketing. Very rare. You got to have the right binoculars at the right time of day. You know, it's almost like that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where, you know, you got to have the staff of raw in the right place so the light shines through and there it is. Otherwise, you're surrounded by um, health grades ads and our doctors rock and we care and all the other unfortunate, cliched promotional messages and yeah. attempts that drowned our market. It's a sad thing. I'm guessing that a lot of people hearing this are going like, well, wait a minute. What about my chart, which is the patient portal for Epic, which so many systems are on now for their electronic health records? I say, no, absolutely. Love my chart. Love the ability to send an email to my doctor. Love the ability to look at my uh, test results. That's fantastic. The problem with it is it's not proprietary. Everybody's got it. And so at that point, there's no differentiating advantage to it. Right. Plus, it it assumes that you um, have medical needs and that's relevant to you, which most of the people, you know, not only is that just so rote and basic in, you know, 2002, it feels like that anyway, even though it's not the reality consumers think it would be. To your point, it's not differentiating. And most people, you know, that's the very few people are like shopping for a hospital are going to go, well, you've got my chart, so that's the hospital I want. You know, there's so many other things that you can leverage health and wellness wise that appeal to a much, much broader audience. People who are not shopping for a doctor or not shopping for a hospital who don't care about my chart, uh, but who would be interested in, you know, an app that helps them, um, you know, helps their back pain or in a program that helps them sleep better, all these kind of things that have to do with health and wellness. That's where the relevant opportunities are. That's where content marketing can really bring you above uh, the crowd. But still, you got to get that staff out to find them. They're out there, but yeah, they, they are. Find. We've we've done a little uh, behind the scenes connecting with some of the app publishers. Just what you're talking about, and, and more in the wellness frame of reference, and said, "Would you be willing to private label for our healthcare clients?" and Nobody has said no yet, so uh, I think that's an exciting opportunity to bring that stuff to your to your organization without having to go through all the cost of developing it. Yep. Cool. Well, that's very exciting. And the book came out when, Larry? Twenty eleven, right? It was the end of twenty eleven. Okay. Cool. Like Christmas time. 
So you were it, even on the... We, we found it did not make a good gift. You don't think it did? I don't think so. Well, in our industry, probably not, <laughs> unfortunately. It came out, so we were on the same contrary and wavelength then because the Joe Public book came out in the fall of 2011. So we were all thinking the same thing, trying to make a dent. We I think we've all made a little dent, but we need the dent to be bigger. Bigger dents, that should be our slogan. <laughs> I'm all for it. Or that could be the, the podcast title. Bigger dents. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's great to catch up with you, Larry. I think we should cut it off there. I think we've been going for over a half hour. Is that right, Adam? Uh, yeah, it looks like just over. Okay, perfect. But that's awesome. That's what we want to do is have guests on and sh- get their wisdom, bathe in their wisdom. And I think we just took a nice, hot Larry Asher bath. Can I say that <laughs> on, on well, there? It's certainly another show title, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long one, but that's a little more colorful. Well, yeah. Larry, thanks so much for joining us. Well, I so appreciate your asking me. It's fun. Well, hopefully we're going to try to um, go back and find all the guests that have been on our podcast and our regular listeners and try to reach out to them and see if they can be around during that 200th episode. So see what your calendar says, Larry, for Wednesday, July 10th at, I guess that would be 9 a.m. your time. Um, because if you're around, then we can engage you through Twitter as we're talking through and you can watch us in action and it'd be great. The more people we can have, um, engage us at the time would be awesome. So see if you can free that time up. We'd love to have you back. I'd, I'd love it. Thanks. Cool. All right. Well, I think we should sign off there for the arrogant healthcare marketing bastards podcast. This is Chris Bevelo. Uh, Adam Meyer. So Larry Asher. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We will see you on the 200. Ciao.